Well, we're continuing our series on Psalm 23. We've just called The Lord is My Shepherd. And last week we looked at verse 1 and 2. And I want to encourage you in the next 21 days, this is one of the most powerful and simple and beautiful stretches of Scripture ever written. And I just want to encourage you as often as you can, read it. If you can read it every day, read it every day. If you can memorize it, memorize it. If you already know it, quote it. Just uh, soak yourself in Psalm 23 because I have, I have been exposed to this chapter nearly all my life. And I've studied it in depth. This is the third series in my life I've taught from it. And I still feel like I don't I haven't gotten yet all there is in it. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, look deep into it and let it, let it work deep into you in this time. So this morning what I want to do is just go back to verse 1, and I want to read verse 1, 2, and then we ended on the first part of 3, and today we're going to pick up on the last half of verse 3. But I just want to read it all. And would you, would you mind, if you're at home, you can do this. You know, Maybe you're sitting with your family. Uh, you can still do this. Let's, would you just read it out loud with me? Would you just follow along as we read? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All right, so today we're going to focus on verse 3, the second half. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now I've got a question for you. He's doing the guiding, but what if we're not doing the following? Right? It kind of takes two, sort of, to make this work, right? So he's doing the leading, and we're not concerned about his ability to re re lead, right? I mean, we're confident that he's a good leader. But how do you and I respond to the leadership of God? How, how are we to make sure that we're following? What does it take to be guided? I'm just going to give you two simple points. If you'd like to write them down, fantastic. I've made them so simple, I bet you can even remember them. It takes two things, at least two things, to be a good follower of the good shepherd who's leading us perfectly. Number one, it takes humility. Humility. Why humility? Well, because it takes humility to admit that we need guidance. It takes humility to admit that we don't already know everything it is that we need to know, and we need help from the outside. That takes humility. And without embracing that kind of humility, you and I are never going to be good followers. It kind of reminds me, I'll, I'll sort of flash back to an to a era long past. If you're under 30, you won't even remember that this time ever existed. You'll, you'll think I'm making this up that it's in a fairy tale. See, a long, long time ago in another land, there used to be this world without cell phones. No, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to wrap your brain around it. And when you were in a car and you didn't know you, where you were going... You, you actually had to ask someone for directions. Anybody, anybody remember this? You had to ask for directions. Do you remember? And so there's all these jokes about men and women drivers, you know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I would be embarrassed to tell you the miles that I've put on my car because I wouldn't ask for directions. You know, my wife's saying, just ask. Or, no, 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 it's just up here. It's just up here. We've been 30 miles 
If you want to stay married, ask for directions. No, I'm convinced. We're almost there. And how many of you guys know you never turn the car around? Never turn around. Never. Well, here's kind of how it went. You would, if you were lost, you would look for um, a human. Now, any human would do. All the requirement was is they were breathing. You didn't have to know them. They didn't have to look smart. I mean, there was really, the threshold was real low. Find you a breathing human, pull your car up to them, and, and, and they used to have something called a, a window roll-down handle. You'd crank that thing. You know, it'd only take about 30 minutes to get the window down. And there, you're just sitting there staring at each other, waiting for this to happen. And then you say, excuse me, do you know how to get to, you know, whatever? And here's the crazy thing that would happen. This complete stranger, unbeknownst to you, you would put the fate of the next few hours of your life in their hands. And you would completely trust, unguarded, unchecked, everything they told you about where to go, no matter how much sense it sounded like it made. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's what it's like to ask for directions. I wouldn't really do that anymore. Uh, and back in those days, we had these... Um, Remember when you'd uh, invite somebody to a party, you'd draw a little hand map and stick it in there so they'd know how to get to your house? Remember all that? You'd get a napkin out. I don't know how many restaurants people have sat at and drawn on napkins directions to get somewhere. Remember all those stupid things? And, and, and if you were like me, I didn't want to ever get lost, and I didn't want to ask for directions. So I had a map in my car of all 50 states with metro areas blown up. It's like looking through your mortgage documents. I mean, you'd shield through that thing, you know, forever. I had states in there I never needed, like Hawaii and Alaska and Idaho, and, you know, I, I'd never been in that part of the country. And so now what we do, and I'm afraid to even do it because I'm afraid whose phone I'm going to set off. You know what we do, right? Hey, Google navigate to, and then, you know, whatever. Now, I just hope that the navigation system in America never breaks. Millions of people won't make it to work for a week. Like, we don't know how to go anywhere anymore, right? We don't know how to get anywhere. Uh, but here's the thing. We think because we have the information, we don't need the guidance. Technology has kind of tricked us into believing since we have the information and instant access to information, we no longer need the guidance. But the truth is, we need the guidance as much as we've ever needed it. What does it take to be guided? It takes humility to pull up and roll the window down and say, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going, and I don't know how to get there. Would you help me? And that's what it takes to follow God. God, I'm kind of lost on this one. If I'm being honest, I don't really know what to do next. And I don't know where to go, and I don't know how to fix this, and I don't know how to respond to this person, and I don't know how to resolve this conflict, and I don't know how to make this decision, and I don't really know exactly what direction my life should take. But I want to follow you. It takes humility. Let's just take it a step further. It takes humility to understand our darkness. This is where we kind of get into it. See, you and I are kind of thrown into the world like a baseball with a spin on it. Given enough time, it will curve and break towards sin. And that's who you and I are. We're born sinners into a sinful world. And what actually has to happen is it actually has to get worse before it can get better. 
Because we actually have to come to a point of humility where we say, there's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm not right. I'm broken. I need something more than I can produce inside myself in order to get over all this. That's what, it actually, that's what actually has to happen inside of us. There's something wrong in our makeup that causes us to desire the wrong thing and do the wrong thing and think about the wrong thing even when we're doing the right thing. Because we're, we're irrevocably broken. Now we learn to hide it. We dress it up and we put makeup on it and we learn social graces that make it harder to see. But underneath it, it's like toxic waste that oozes out every opening. You just can't trap it in all the time and forever because we are born into darkness and we are dark in our soul. And until we realize how dark the brokenness is inside of us, we'll never understand our need for God's forgiveness. Until we understand how bad off we are, we'll never understand how great God's acceptance of us really is. It's unbelievable. But as long as you don't think you need it, then you'll really never understand how great it is. Who better to talk to us in Psalm 23 about the depth of darkness than King David? Because he knew the depth of his own darkness like very few people ever knew. You know the story probably. He saw another man's wife. He wanted her. He didn't care that she was married. He hatched a plan to get her. He got her from that sin. There was conceived a child. And then to cover it all up, because you can't hide a baby, he hatched another plan to have her husband murdered without it looking like it was him doing it. And his plan to fix all this was to hide it. You see the darkness? So I want you to think about this for a minute. King David, who was bigger than life, the greatest king in Israel's entire history. He was bigger than life. The deliverer, the poet of Israel, became David the seducer, the adulterer, the liar, and then the murderer. See, darkness. And everything was going along just like he planned until God sent Nathan the prophet to talk to him. And Nathan told him this story about this rich man who had a lot of cattle and had a lot of sheep. But wasn't satisfied with that and actually found this poor family who only had one little lamb who was a family pet. And rather than taking one of his own sheep and, and sacrificing it and offering it as a meal to a guest, he went and took the only lamb that family had. He slaughtered it and offered it as a, as a meal to a guest that was coming through. And David, filled with rage, said, that man should die. Now, just a side note. That wasn't even the law. There was nothing in the law that said that that man should die. David overreacted. You know what I find? Sometimes the people that are most passionate about justice are trying to cover up their own darkness. That's what David was doing. 
That man should die. That's not what the law said. The law said if you took a sheep, you give four back. But David said, no, he should die. And rather than exercising the stern judgment on himself that he should have, he was trying to put it on somebody else. And then Nathan said, David, you're that man in the story. You took Bathsheba, and you had no right to her. You're the man in the story. Now watch. Here's what's, here it comes. David had the authority, and a lesser man would have absolutely used his authority this way to slaughter Nathan. He could have obliterated him. He could have tortured him. He could have killed him and his entire family and tribe if he wanted to. And nobody could have challenged him. But let me show you how David responded. 2 Samuel 13, 12, 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Can I say it a little different way? I. Not we, not us, not them. I. I have sinned, not against you, I have sinned against the Lord. No excuses, no justification. No, I might be bad, but you should see them over there. I I mean, what I've done might have been wrong, but if you just look at the Democrats, or the Republicans, or those liberals, or those fundamentalists, or those conservatives, or those whoever... I might be bad, but man, there's people worse than me. None of that. None of that. What it was, was I have sinned. I have sinned against the Lord. Are you willing to say it's me? Are you willing to look in the mirror? Are you willing to look in the mirror of God's word and say, It's me. I'm not saying you haven't endured hardship. I'm not saying everything that's ever happened to you or me has been fair. But even if you'd have grown up in a perfect environment, you'd not still be a sinner because we're fundamentally broken. Are you willing to confront that part of yourself and say, it's me. (laughs) I'm, I'm the one. I need guidance. I will never find the paths of righteousness on my own. I need somebody bigger than me and smarter than me and better than me to show it to me. I need guidance. I'm not right about everything, and I'm not even right about the things I'm sure I'm right about. (laughs) I got issues. And I... And I need a good shepherd to help me work them out. Search me, God, and remove them. You may at this point be thinking, wait a minute. I thought once you became a Christian, you were forgiven for all your sins. You are. But the heart that generates them still needs some work. And by the way, it will continue to need work as long as you and I Live on this earth. And can I tell you this? It's God's joy to do the work. He invites you in to this incredible shepherd relationship where he'll take care of the sheep and move the sheep and gently move the sheep along and heal the sheep and re-steer. It's his joy to do the work. Are you willing to let him guide you?
Just after Nathan confronted David, I'm talking about just after David, as he had often, he went and wrote a psalm. And it's Psalm 51. And I want to read something to you that David wrote just after Nathan confronted him in Psalm 51, 17 that shows you his humility. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. To be guided by God, it takes humility. Now, I want to read a verse that you probably have heard, but I want to emphasize a part of it that you and I have probably read over many times and not really grabbed it. Second Chronicles 7.14, you could probably, some of you could quote it, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, stop right there. What if we didn't go on to any of the prayer or the fasting or the healing of the land or anything else? What if we just got caught up in the humbling ourselves part? Man, as I read social media, I say, Dear God, send a revival of humility to the church. We need it. We need it. Right? Not, I am the resounding member of objective truth who sits on a throne and makes statements to the rest of the world about how things ought to be. I can't see Jesus writing anything in that tone. And I've come to the point I want to unfriend some people, you know. But I can't see Jesus doing that either. So I can't do that. But humility. Here's the second one. Are you ready? It takes humility. It takes hunger. Hunger to glorify God. Why does he lead us in paths of righteousness? Well, he tells us right here in this verse one. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God leads us the right way because it glorifies his name. This is a picture from shepherding that I wouldn't know anything about it. I'd not read it. But here's how a shepherd gets their reputation and keeps it. They have to keep the land in good shape and they have to keep the sheep in good shape. If they let the sheep stay in the same place and overgraze too long, they'll actually begin to sit in the same spot and ruin the land, and then they'll keep eating it, and then they'll get sick. So if a shepherd allows either the sheep to become unhealthy because they overgraze, or if a shepherd allows the land to become harmed because the sheep have overgrazed, that shepherd gets a bad name, and nobody's hiring that shepherd. But I got good news for you when David wrote this. We have a perfect shepherd that won't let you overgrace in the same place and get sick and won't let you harm the context around you if you'll be a good follower. But it takes humility. And it takes a hunger that God's name would be kept well, that it would be glorified and, and, and risen up over all the earth, David was also filled with hunger. Let me give you an example. He was an unusual king because he held power lightly. Let me just read through real quickly the, the uh, transitions of his life. He was a shepherd, and then he became a military leader with wealth. 
And then he gave all that up and became a poor renegade, and then he became a king, and then he abandoned the throne and the palace and the riches, and then he became a king again. (laughs) And then when Saul was king and he was demonically oppressed and God had already chosen David to be the next king, David said, I will not touch God's anointed. Watch, watch. Because he said, it's not my place. I don't want to get any of the credit for this move. God's going to have to do it. And watch what happened. You know, you know how clear hindsight is? So clear. We see things so much clearer. In hindsight, in the New Testament, the Bible gives us a reflection of David's life. And it shows us about the hunger he had for God's name. In Acts 13, 22, it says, After removing Saul, he, God, made David their king. God testified concerning David. (laughs) I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Could God say that about you? If God were testifying about you, would he say he, she will do everything I want him to do? He had a fiery hunger to glorify God's name. That God would get the credit, that God would get the glory. That people would know about God, they wouldn't know about David. He wasn't the one that fixed it, he he was just a sheep. I don't know about you, but David's life is so confusing to me. Because on one hand, he's this man driven by this darkness that, that forces him into adultery and lying and murdering and covering it up. And on the other hand, he's this man that will give up even the very kingdom that he built for the glory of God's name. That's so confusing to me. But it's so clarifying because it's us. There's part of you that craves to do good and to honor God, but there's this dark part of you that you just can't seem to shake the weight of the burden of the darkness on your life, and you do things you don't want to do. And that's why you and I need a shepherd. Who better to say... He guides me in paths of righteousness. Because I've been through some paths that aren't real righteous. And he led me out of them. And he gave me a good place. And he did me good. Do you know a, a perfectly legitimate understanding of the word righteousness is right thinking. Right thinking. We see this in Romans 12, 1 and 2 when the Bible says uh, we're transformed from within by a new way of thinking. So so what does it mean that he leads us in paths of right thinking? We think wrong about things. We think wrong about people. We think wrong about circumstances. We think wrong about ourselves. We think wrong about God. But if we have the humility and the hunger, he'll lead us in paths of right thinking about himself. Make our mind whole. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to have a whole, a mind that's whole, it's healed, 
A mind that thinks the way that Jesus does. So here's how I read Psalm 23. When I read it, I read, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. That's how I read it. That's how I've always read it. I read these verses together. But if you read it, those verses aren't together. Part of that is in verse 2 and part of that is in verse 3. So let me read it to you the way it's actually written. It's not, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside waters. Period. Stop. New thought. He restores my soul. How? How does he restore your soul? He leads me in paths of right thinking for his name's sake. And when my mind becomes renewed, my soul gets restored. Because I'm on the right path. Because I'm following the righteous king. (laughs) Almost 20 years ago, Stacy and I moved to Mississippi and became pastors of a church. It was not easy at all. We went through a lot of difficult transitions, and right in the middle of it, Hurricane Katrina struck and blew everything up. I didn't, I didn't take disaster recovery 101 in college. I didn't know how to do that. And we went through a lot of transition in that church because of Katrina and a lot of other things. And when we got to that church, there were about 325 people in that church. When we left that church, there were less than 20 people in it that had been there longer than us because we went through extraordinary transition. And you know, about halfway through, I looked at that situation and I said, what, 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 what are we doing? What good are we doing? Come on, God, why did you, I thought you sent us here to, you know, do more than this. And I begin to understand something, and I want you to zero in on it with me this morning. We begin to understand that God could have done more through us somewhere else, but he could have not done as much in us anywhere else. And that's what it was about. We think about him leading us in paths of righteousness about what direction am I going to go in life and should I take this job and not take this job. And I'm not saying that God doesn't lead us in all those ways. God certainly leads those things. But can I tell you that's not what Psalm 23 is about. Psalm 23 is not about his guidance in which direction you should go in your outer life. It's about the path of righteousness that he's doing on the inside of you in your inner life. That's what it's about. And I can tell you, wherever you are today, please believe me when I tell you, God can do more in you, even when you're in a situation you don't want to be in. Then maybe he even wants to do through you right now. Because that's, you know why? Because he's a good shepherd. And he loves you. And he wants to lead you to right thinking. And he wants to restore your soul. And he wants to bring you to a place of wholeness. He's not behind you with a whip driving you through the path of righteousness. He's a gentle shepherd in front of you saying, now watch your step. Look, 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 come this way. Go around here. Don't go straight this way. Come around here. That's him. The question is, and the question always is, do you have the humility 
And do you have the hunger to follow him? Would you stand with me this morning? Every eye closed. Would you just open your heart if you're watching online? Maybe you're watching a rebroadcast. If you're at a place you can safely do that, just close your eyes. Let's just give our attention to the Holy Spirit for a minute. Right on the eve of a 21-day time of prayer and fasting, let's pray a minute. Can we do that? Today, maybe you say, you know what? There's confusing parts of my life that I don't know what to do with. Can I tell you what, the, um, what, this, what Psalm 23 is about? It's not about God's guidance on the outside so much. It's about we have a faithful and perfect shepherd that will perfectly guide us through all of life's trials. And so today, if there's a confusing chapter in your life, there's a confusing part of it, I just want to invite you Humble yourself and let the shepherd guide you. He will bring clarity and thought. He will bring clarity and perspective. He will bring clarity to your mind. If there's a confusing part of your life, if you're online, just jump over in the comments and say, I need prayer today. Our prayer team's there, and they're going to pray for you right now. If you're in the room, would you just lift your hand and say, there's a confusing part of my life. And I embrace humility today, and I acknowledge I need, I need guidance. Would you just lift your hand and say, I need guidance today. I need a shepherd. I need guidance. Yeah, it's okay. Just lift it up and put it down. I need guidance. I need guidance. Yep, just throughout the room. I need guidance. And I've got great news. You have a shepherd. Yes, thank you. You have a shepherd who is leading you who is perfectly leading you. Today, we're just reaching out to grab that leadership through humility. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, if I'm honest, the guidance is already clear. I'm just not following real well. Would you have the humility to do what King David did and say, it's me. I'm the one that's not following well, and I humble myself and I say, God, help me follow you today. If you're online, just type, I want to follow you. If you're in the room, just lift your hand and say, it's me. It's me. I confess today. It's me. Just lift your hand and say, I confess. It's me. I'm not following. I already know what the guidance is. There's something I know that's clear that I need to be doing, and I'm not doing it yet. Yeah, just lift it up and put it back down. You don't have to hold it up. Just lift it up and put it down. Just let me see it. Yep. Boy, that confession will release humility in your life that will break the bondage of sin. It'll break darkness. It'll break the problem. Hey, and can all of us uh, pray around this? God, in the next 21 days, produce the humility and the hunger in my life that I need. Lord, I thank you today for every hand that was lifted. And I thank you for those who say, I need clarity. God, I, I need your leadership. 
Lord, as we've humbled ourselves, I just feel like it's like a dam break of your spirit moving into our lives this morning, clarifying and shifting things and guiding us and maybe making even small tweaks. And then, Lord, those for who, who were brave enough to say, humble enough to say, I'm not following. God, I pray right now that you would forgive and you would mend and you would raise up and you would let a relief of joy flow through their soul and you would let a forgiveness wash over them and you would let an encouragement and a power and an excitement about following you flow through their life right now. God, I ask you, I'm going to ask everybody online and and in the room, everybody to pray right now. Everybody to begin to pray and say, God, I ask you to produce humility in me. Come on and ask him. God, I open my heart and I open my mind and I open my mouth and I embrace humility. I embrace humility and I ask you to grow humility in me. Grow the character of humility. Produce humility in me. And God, I ask you to grow hunger in me. I want the hunger that I have to glorify your name to grow. Maybe for some of us it needs to be planted as a seed. Maybe for others it needs to be watered. Maybe like a fire it needs to be stoked. But God, I ask you to raise up a fiery hunger in us today for for your name, for your sake, for your credit, for your glory. I am what I am today by the grace of God, not by my own work. God, we receive your power and presence today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for the way you engaged today and locked in. Our worship team's going to sing a song now called The Reckless Love of God. And uh, that's the whole motive of the Good Shepherd, you know, to even guide us and to uh, lead us. And so I want to ask you this morning, if you would just raise your voice up with our worship team. If you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. And let's worship God, thank Him for His love, and welcome the reckless love of God in your